Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show.
You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. Good evening. We have you on the world listening to this radio broadcast. Stevie B's Media Production presents What a Word from the Lord radio show. I'm your host, Stevie R. Butler. This radio show is being broadcast from Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina studio in the great state of North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just grateful for the privilege to bring you a program where we as Christians and members of the Churches of Christ can share our faith and preach and teach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If I have any questions or comments for my co-host or any of my special guests on this radio broadcast, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. You can call Stevie B Media Production at the Carolina studio at 910-491-6405. Now again, This program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ, and if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stand along with us here on What Our Word from the Lord radio show. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord radio show. Every fourth Tuesday of the month, my co-host Kelly Fletcher, she serves with the Livingstone Church of Christ there in Indianapolis, Indiana. So enjoy your listening experience. Enjoy the show. All yours, Kelly. Take it away. This is Terry Jackson, and you're listening to a talk with my sisters on What a Word from the Lord radio show. Good evening, everyone. Uh, You are listening to a talk with my sisters, also known as the Kelly Fletcher Show on CBB Media Productions with a Word from the Lord radio show. I am your co-host, Kelly Fletcher, and I am a member of the Livingstone Church of Christ in Indianapolis, Indiana. Should you have any any questions during tonight's show, please send an email to butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. So the discussion for tonight is on a pretty heavy and serious topic, human trafficking. Human trafficking is not just something that happens in other cities or countries, but it can happen in our country, in our city, and in our neighborhoods. Tonight's discussion will provide information and awareness to this very real issue. Our special guest for tonight is Beverly Mason from Kingsley Terrace Church of Christ in Indianapolis, Indiana, and Ruthie Reyes. Thank you both so much for being here tonight. I truly appreciate your presence. Before we get started, um, can you please introduce yourself and share a little bit about your background? Beverly, if we can start with you. Okay. Can you guys, can you hear me okay? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, I am Beverly Mason. I am a... Um, licensed mental health therapist. Um, I work um, with clients with addiction, um, human trafficking, domestic violence, um, some of your serious um, mood disorders or personality disorders. Um, in addition to that, I also um, work with families who are involved with DCS. Um, and so been doing that for approximately um, about 20 years. Um, wow. That's one of the things that I enjoy, and part of that 
um, word comes with, you know, human trafficking, um, met Ruthie doing that work, and we've been able to be trained in an um, area called My Life, My Choice, um, which uh, talks about um, um, teenage victims who have been trafficked and what to look for and how to know the signs of a trafficker. So um, thank you for having this um, outlet for us to be on tonight where we can discuss human trafficking, because typically it is a subject that most churches try to avoid. Um, and so we are excited to be able to share some facts and statistics with you all tonight. Um, and so, and I'll let Ruthie introduce herself. Thank you Hello, so much. my name is Hi, my name is Ruthie Reyes and I am um I'm a chaplain right now for hospice patients, but I also work with DCS clients that are dealing with the topic that we are speaking about today, human trafficking, okay. but also um with substance abuse and domestic violence also. Good to okay. be here. Thank you. Thank you, yeah, and thank you both so much. Uh, and I, I appreciate the background and the uh, the expertise that you share. So um, we'll we'll go ahead and and get right into it. And again, um, uh, if your response takes a little longer than others, then then that's perfectly fine. There's no time limit uh, on uh, how long you respond. So uh, let's. Let's kind of start um, with the definition of human trafficking. What What is human trafficking? And, uh, Ruthie, if you want to answer that question, I'm sorry. Um, to, uh, human trafficking is when it uh, doesn't matter. There's There's no age. We have children as young as seven years old all the way to, you know, the 40s and 50s that are being exploited by different adults, different people, male or female, and what they're doing is they trafficking. So we have trafficking for sex trafficking, but we also have labor trafficking where they bring a group of people and they make them work in an area and pay them low wages. And what we're dealing with here mostly in our city of Indianapolis is sex human trafficking, where we have young mm. girls um, just struggling and dealing with this. And one of the things that I have come to realize here in the city is that some of these girls that are being put out here are really put out by their own family because uh, wow. if there's a parent that is being deported or has been deported back to their country, the mom has stayed here by herself with a large group of children that they have and have no skills, no ability to speak the language. Um, they might come from, you know, another country that doesn't necessarily speak Spanish, but they could speak Swahili, French. It doesn't matter. And these mothers are desperately trying to support their household because now they don't have that husband in the house that was supporting them. So they use their teenage daughters also in the sex trafficking and it's um, very sad. Some of these girls end up getting pregnant. Some of these girls are just, um, you know, their life becomes to be just a squirrel, just, you know, all over the place. Um, they drop out of school. Um, they're no longer interested in, you know, teenage things. All they do is, is adult things. And um, 
is a position, a really hard position to be in because that's that's the way these people, the men or the ladies, get you in is by befriending you and doing things for you and giving you a lot of things that you necessarily would have not gotten at home with your parents. Um, right, so right. It's, it's, a, it's very manipulating and also um, very attracting to young girls that that don't have, you know, or young right. boys that don't have anything. Right, so it doesn't right. really matter what color you are, what age you are, what race you are, what religious beliefs you have, that doesn't matter. When someone is getting close to, to befriending a, a, a person to start then, what we call in human trafficking, um, start grooming them to start mm-hmm. being part of it. Sometimes it, it could take them some months to groom that person because they need to really, really get that person to trust them and really come into their world. Right. So human, wow. human trafficking is just a lot of different things, and people don't realize that this is this is going on in our city and, and it's yeah. all over the United States. Yeah, yeah. Beverly, um, I, I've seen the term trafficking in persons. What what uh-huh. what does that mean? So it's what Ruthie just described um, is where they um, where they move people. Um, okay. And so one of the things. Um, so I, I want to go back just a little bit, and, and then I'll, I'll come back to that question as well. So okay. when we look at human trafficking um, and, like, the legal term of what human trafficking is, there are certain elements that, that have to be present in order for a person to be charged criminally with um, human trafficking. And when okay. we look at that, you know, what is what what is a law enforcement looking at in order to be able to charge someone? And the way they define, there has to be these three elements that are present, and it has to be force. Um, there has to be force, fraud, or coercion. And so we we look at that in, you know, what is present when this is happening in order for it to meet the threshold of human trafficking. Um, and so we look at what, you know, what action is this person taking in order to, um, you know, to secure this person. So we look at trafficking in persons. So it could be from, you know, the action can be recruiting where you have um, a person recruit people in order to get them to go along with this. It could be um, where they just transport people two places, but they, they didn't actually recruit, um, or, you know, they are the person who patronizes these individuals. And so they're, mm-hmm. they look at their actions themselves in order to see if this is offense they could be charged with. Um, and then the means in which they do it, are they forcing them to do it? Um, are they promising them something? Um, and then, you know, are using fraud or coercion to do that? Um, and that element has to be present in both of your labor trafficking and in your sex trafficking. Um, and so the threshold is the same regardless if it's sex or labor. And then trafficking in persons just simply means that I, I, I'm, I'm selling people. Um, that's, that's the bottom mm-hmm. line, I'm selling people. And so what you have is a lot of people who were 
drug dealers, um, you know, it's, it's pretty high risk to be a drug dealer. You got to go into certain areas. You got to carry certain amounts of dope. You got to be able to move product, pick up the product, and all of that comes at a high risk to, in order to sell drugs. However, what most of them found is that in order to traffic persons, it's much less risk. How how many times have we walked past people, a male with, you know, maybe three teenage girls? That wouldn't necessarily raise my eye. I wouldn't necessarily right. think anything opposed to, oh, you know, they're just all walking together. Or how many times have we been in hotels and we see young girls who probably don't are not of age to rent a hotel room for themselves, and there's just, you know, they're just there with this, this one male. Not all the time would it raise concern. And so right. what we find is if I'm trafficking in persons that I, you know, most of the time they're using the Internet to, you know, solicit, you know, solicit people, um, pictures go up, um, people click on pictures, and you get a list of, you know, how much things cost me you meet at this hotel. So trafficking in persons just simply means that, I am um, I'm, I'm selling. I am selling this product, this sex product, um, through these um, men or women because it's not, you know, always women who are trafficked or girls who are trafficked. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that uh, having said that, um, looking at the victims, are there signs that a person is being trafficked, and and what are those signs? Is it something that, say, if I see um, three young young ladies or three girls in a in a hotel or in the in a mall with a man, is there something that I can see that would tell me that they're being trafficked? And Ruthie, I'll get your take uh, or get your response, and then Beverly's. Okay. Um, to be more aware of your surroundings, um, you necessarily don't need to be an expert or, or have gone to training or be certified in this. You could easily um, just see a young lady, and, and I'll tell you um, just an incident that happened to, with me. I was at the McDonald's at 38th Street in Lafayette, right in front of that church, New White Skin. Um, a yeah. gentleman comes in, and he's in front of me, and he's with a girl that's about 12 years old. Um, he was an African-American. She looked like an Asian girl because of her eyes. Right. And I said, I said, well, this seems odd, but, you know, I'm just going to, you know, listen to what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So when I was in, in back of them in line, she <laughs> says, uh, oh, you know, so-and-so um, – Told me that she kisses better than than I do. That you taught her to how to kiss better than me, and I don't mm. like that. And he said, he says to her, "Well, why you think I brought you here? This is your reward. You're doing an excellent job. Don't listen to them." Oh my God! So right then and there, I knew that this was full blown trafficking. Um, and what I did was, I sat there. Um, they happened to sit like two tables from me. Um, yeah. I took pictures of them. I took pictures of the man. 
And then I went outside and I waited for them to come outside and I took pictures of his driver's license and the driver's tag in his car, the license plate, and also of the car. And I called it in. Those are the kind of clues, you know, the conversations that these grown-ups are having with these young people, whether it's a boy or girl. Yeah. 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 Um, Also, another clue would be uh, a girl that's very timid and shy and doesn't want to say or talk or do anything when they're around that person because they're so afraid of that person. And I saw that in an airplane where there was this young girl and the stewardess kept asking her, are you okay? Are you okay? And she wouldn't say a word. Um, And I took the stewardess to the back and I said, I believe this little girl is being trafficked and you need to tell the police to wait when we land um, so they can investigate this further. You know, there's just things. um, Also at a gas station here in Indianapolis, you know, you'll see a white van and a guy would get out and a guy that's in the car will come and then get the, the van themselves and then he goes off. Um, sometimes they open the back door and let the girls go into the restroom. Then they come back inside the van. Why, you know, people always question me and ask me why they don't leave, why they don't run. Well, yeah. it's very difficult if this person is the one that right now is providing for you. Right. Absolutely right. everything that you need. And these are young girls that really, really, uh, you know, look at, this person, as I did, I I saw this person that I was with as a god that was saving my life because I was living in the streets. So there's mm. just different, um, there's just different, you know, ideas and and different beliefs that people, um, you know, if they see, you know, mixed couple, whatever the fact might be, necessarily that's not or would not be somebody that's being trafficked. But just pay attention. Listen if you can yeah. to the conversation. You know, watch their body movement. If if you see that the girl's terrified, you know, something has to be wrong. There's something not, not you know, not right. And right. it's very scary for a young person to come to a total stranger and say, I need help. It is. It's yeah. very scary. Yeah. Uh, so, Beverly, if you could come in. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, Ruby pointed out quite a few of the red flags that we would look for um, for someone being trafficked. Uh, one of the probably one of the ones um, that is for for youth that is the most um, um, what what word I want to use that is the most noticeable is um, a youth who is a chronic runaway. Um, someone okay. who we get her home or get him home, and then they're right back out the door. They just won't stay. Well, in most right. cases, what happens is they have they're they're surviving out here some kind of way. And so when we have you know before we go and look and save the world, we can look at within our own families. And if right. we have young people who are you know they're running away and they're staying gone weeks that more than likely they've had to do something to survive out here. Somebody's approached them in some type of way in order to get them, for them to make it. Um, And we'll get into, you know, how they're lured into this, but uh, a chronic one-way would be one of them that we would look at. 
Um, sometimes there's tattoos. If you see a girl with, um, they all got the same tattoo, which is what we call branding, um, mm-hmm. that is something that we would, that would be eye-opening, you know. We got best friend tattoos. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, sometimes yeah. that is just that, but sometimes it's something that is mm-hmm. not, you know, it, it could be just like the number eight or something like that. Um, we do see okay. that. Um, a youth that has excessive cash that can't explain it. You know, you're you're 18 or even 21 and you don't work. So how are you coming up with all this money? What are you doing in order for, um, you know, in order to make this money? Um, Ruthie talked about, you know, being with a dominant person. And most of the times we say males, but it could be a dominant female. It's not always a a male mm-hmm. to female things. A lot of times to make it less noticeable, they will use women. And so you may have a, a, a woman, uh, age 30-year-old woman with young girls, uh, teenage girls, that definitely is not going to raise eyebrows, opposed right. to me walking in, you know, a man walking in with three girls that may turn a few heads. Um, and so they don't always use males in the public. So you may see this with females as well. Um but, you know, it's more of having to ask for things um, through this person. Um, sometimes they hold their IDs, and Ruthie can talk more about uh, from the standpoint of immigrants, um, when they hold their passports or legal paperwork, um, I'll let her speak on that, on how that works. Um, and, you know, and a lot of times when when I travel, you know, sometimes, you know, having conversations with these young girls on, also, what brings you to, you know, North Carolina? They don't right. really know that they're in North Carolina. You know, it's like, so you, you you know, that will, for me, that would make me engage more. Like, you don't know any attractions here. You're not here visiting anybody. And part of what they do is move the girls from around a, to a highway. So, 70 is going to take you to different states, and so 65 is going to take you to different states, and they move based upon how those highways flow. Um, And so these girls don't necessarily know where they're at or anything about Indiana, but they're just here. Um, You often see it at big events. Um, So whenever you see the Super Bowl, the NBA playoffs, uh, you know, the Indy 500, all those type of big events, you can guarantee right. your traffic, human trafficking is very big during this time. Um, but I, I, do, I will let Ruthie touch on it from a standpoint of when you have an um, a immigrant um, and they're being trafficked and how that looks as far as their ability to um, gain, you know, their, their passports and their IDs and all that stuff. Right. Okay. Ruthie? Yes. Um what these men do or women do is um, they retain the girls or the guys' passports or resident card, and there is no way for you to find these people because most of them, um, especially in the Asian and, and Latin American countries, they're going to be illegal when they arrive here to the U.S. Um, so nobody, they don't have no paperwork no paper trail, mm-hmm. no driver's license, that anything, they don't have anything. So even if they use a bank card or something, these girls are not going to have that on them. 
Everything is stripped away from them. They become part of, they call it a family, but they become part of that family, that particular, um, and you could call them pimps. You could call them, um, what other names, Beverly, that that we've learned that they call these individuals? Um, because that's how they behave. They behave as pimps. They, um, the girls also see them as daddies or, or yeah, not. Yeah, that's daddy one. You'll hear yeah. often is the word daddy. Yeah. Um, okay. I saw my, my my guy as as God and I need I even named my son after him, you know, and wow. after I realized what life I lived, it really, really hit me. Um, because I said, Wow, I really thought that I was a smart young lady. I never thought that I would be caught in that. Right. But I was. I was for three, almost three years, and what took me out of it is that I happened to get pregnant, and they don't need you after that. They don't want you after that. And I was, I could say, fortunate enough that I wasn't um, being sexually abused by men or nothing like that. I would just have to go out with them and dress, and they would go out because these were high-end um, guys, you know, guys that worked at um, Kodak, guys that worked at ABC Network, um, you know, because I lived in New York City. This is where I was living at the time. And right. these were guys with money that lived in Fifth Avenue. So nobody would think anything if they just take a, a pretty young lady, you know, to their events, their meetings, and things like that. And because the guy that, that I was with, he was part of the mafia, so he didn't see that um, – People were scared of him, and he would tell them that I was just used as a trophy to move around in different locations, but he was the one, the only one, that could touch me or tell me what to do or tell me how to dress or tell me. And I saw him as a god. I saw him because I was living in the streets. So I saw him as, wow, he gave me a place to stay. You know, he's giving me food. He's giving me money. He would give me tons of money. This was in the 80s. He would give me, you know, $1,000, $2,000 a week to go on a shopping spring. What young yeah. person would think that that is something bad? Right. But when I learned right. about it, I, I, you know, I just cried and I became very emotional because I said, wow, I even named my son after this man. Um, yeah. My son lives in New York City right now, and my son is always asking me, mom, why we don't go look for him? Let's look for him. He lives in Brooklyn. I looked him up. And, you know, I... I I don't tell my son yes or no. I just say, no, maybe later, maybe later. But And it's because I want to revisit those moments, you know, with right. my son. That part, which is something that I um, I haven't really, really, I could say, dealt with it on, on front, you know. I haven't confronted yeah. it. But in the times that I've been, I've been um, dealing with it, you know, God has really helped me. Um, use this as a testimony, use this as an ability to get girls, you know, to come home, you know, to tell them that they would be safe, that they would have a better place, that, you know, God loves them. You know, they think that nobody else does, but God does. So, you know, I was a pastor's daughter all my life. My parents were pastors for 42 years, and this happened to a pastor's daughter. Um, You know, and all all I could remember – when I was in, in the house of this man was, Lord, uh, you know, I don't know if this is right, but 
you know, find a way for me to get out of here, send me back to my parents, have my parents, because I, what I had in my mind is that my parents didn't love me, because that's another thing. They put you and they isolate you away from family because they become your family. They become your God, your everything. Right. So my family didn't hear from me the whole time with this guy. Um, they didn't know anything about me, and I was young. I was, at that time, 16, 17, 18 years old. Mm. You know, so it, it, it's very difficult when people say, why you just don't walk away? You really, really shouldn't say that, for 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 one, just like you shouldn't say that to domestic violence survivors. Um, it's right. very difficult. Right. you got to be in people's shoes to understand, and empathy plays a, a, a great part and what me and Beverly do, you know, we, we have to have empathy. We have to put ourselves in these children's shoes and know what they really are going through and help them come out of it, help them see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, that their life is not over. And, right. you know, right. I, I thank God that I'm in this position and, and I did go, you know, get a certification with Beverly and we did all this research and we, we went all to all these trainings because I see how, even in the ministry that I'm in, even in that area, it helps me, you know, and it helps me as a vessel in God's hand to reach these girls and these guys. Right, right. This is a lot, a lot of information, and we, we're just getting into it. Um, but what we're going to do is um, we're going to take a break Um and then when we come back, uh, we still want to talk about um, uh, some questions uh, pertaining to victims. So we'll go ahead and take a break, and we should be back in about uh, three to four minutes. This may be the Baby, the last time I don't give a You know, baby. 
due to possibly unreported cases and approximately how many uh, people are victims of, of human trafficking do you think just within our city? Um, Beverly, so, if you want to answer that. Yeah, I, I would say that mu- that number is much higher. Um, there's a lot that goes unreported. We There's no way to know, like, um, uh, actual number of how many people are trafficked and it's not reported. Um, but keeping in mind that a lot of people don't report because, one, um, they don't know that they're being trafficked. Um, two, if, if my trafficker is providing everything for me, mm-hmm. I have no reason to report this person, even though I'm performing, I'm making money, I have no reason to really turn this person in in their eyes. And so there's a loyalty and a trauma bond that comes along between the victim and the trafficker. Um, And so to get an accurate number, I don't know that we'll ever get one. Are we seeing more cases reported? Yes, uh, we are because um, there's more education now on what to look for and how to identify human trafficking. We have a human trafficking hotline. We have a human trafficking task force. And so there's more concentrated effort into human Uh trafficking now, which makes our numbers higher. but to to know like how many um go unreported, I don't know that we'll ever know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um Ruthie's uh, a lot of times uh when I'm out at the mall or at the store or wherever, um, a lot of times I see children, small children, walking mm-hmm. behind their parents. And the parent might be on their phone. They may be looking at the shelves or or whatever, but the children are usually, you know, sometimes behind the parents. Um, how, How can parents better protect their children? Because I know when I see this, it just, it's like I find myself trying to watch the child to make sure they're okay. Mhm. Yeah, and that's understandable. Um, as a mother myself, I would always speak to my children before we leave the house. Mhm. And would tell them, "We go into the mall. We go into a place where there's a lot of people. I need for you to be right beside me, or holding my hand, or hugging me. Whatever you got to do, that I know that you are in my space. Mm-hmm. We go into the store." If that's not going to happen, then we need to stay home. Speak to your children. Tell your children about things that are happening out in this world. You know, right. um, I have a niece that, that was going out late at night, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, and walking to the gas station because she wanted a snack at that time. And wow. I said, you just putting yourself out here for someone just to pick you up whether it is for trafficking, whether it's to rape you and then kill you, you putting yourself out here. So you've got to see to your children that no matter where you live, you could live in Geist, you could live in Carmel, mm-hmm. you could live, you know, wherever in this city that we have great places to live. You know, Fishers is one of the, the, the ones that are listed as the most safe place to live, but things happen mm-hmm. there all the time. 
you right. know, so it doesn't matter. We need to educate our children, you know, and if we don't do it on a regular basis, do it when, when you go out, right before you go out. If you go into, you know, cope game, speak to your children about that. Stick together. Right. Stay with me. You know, I want to be where I can see you. Whether you're going to a fair, you know, um, I'm funny because I raised my kids not, not going to the fair, so they've gone after they they adults <laughs> and they leave my house. Because <laughs> right. I used to tell them, uh, you know, the Marion County Fair, whoever fair, we're not going to none of those things. Because I always found that it was people from all over the place, and then you're, like, thinking, why is this person in this place? Because you right. he would be by himself, you know, older gentleman just walking around by himself, and I'm like, why? So yeah. I would just be more strict in, in that sense where if I didn't go, my children didn't go. Yeah. You know, yeah. until they got to the age of being a, a teenager, in high school was I letting my kids, then do an event where I dropped them off and picked them up. Okay. Other than that, that wasn't happening. And I and I go through the same thing you go through. You know, I watch kids. You know, I see yeah. so many moms that still don't understand. Don't leave your kids alone in the car and your car is right. running. Don't leave, right. you know, while you're inside the store. You know, in my culture, the Hispanics, we do that a lot. I'll go to a Spanish store and there's tons of kids in the in the vehicle. Yeah. You know, with infants yeah. or they two or three years old, and they in the vehicle, mm-hmm. and I got to go inside the store and be the mean lady and tell the people, let me hold the microphone because I'm going to call the police, and I am not. Right. Y'all need to go to your cars and get your children. Because, right. you know, no matter where we live, there's always going to be evil. Always. Right. You know, and they're, they're, you know, evil exists everywhere, and we just want to be protective of our children, even in school. Speak to them right. about friendship. Speak to them about who's good, what, you know, who could be bad. Let me see your friends. I want to meet them. I want to meet their parents. I want to know where they live. Get involved mm-hmm. in your children's lives so they will not be a victim of anything, human trafficking, murder, rape, whatever it is that is going out in this world. Speak to your children. Sit with them. Be honest. Be open. If you can't speak to your children, show them movies. There's mm-hmm. tons of movies on, on human trafficking. There's tons of testimonies on YouTube. And have them watch it. Sit down right. with them and have conversations about it. Because it is, I thought that this man was my savior. I thought this man was my God because he gave me everything. I didn't lack for yeah. anything. And and why would I move? Why would I go somewhere else? You understand? So. Right. It's very difficult at, at a young age to comprehend that this is bad, what's going on with me, but I don't see it as bad because we don't think that way. You know, right. especially right. if it was like me, I was being rebellious against my parents because I, I believe that they didn't love me. They were too yeah. much in their church, and, you know, I made up all kind of excuses. But, you know, here I am as an adult, and I had to make sure that I was raising my kids the way that I needed to, communicating with them, talking with them, even if it was right. a hard topic, you know, still talk to your children. There's, there's too many things going on everywhere, everywhere we right. go, for us not to speak to our children. We have to be present. We have to give them time. We have to spend time with them. 
Um, it's just right. not all about rules and regulations and, and beating your children or, or what have you, you know, disciplining them. It's also mm-hmm. speaking with them and speaking with love about the world. Right. You know, right. We, we were young, too, and we know mm-hmm. how it is in the world. You know, and just have conversations. You know, I, I every time I get on a pulpit, whether it's to preach uh, Bible study, I always have to include that. And probably people don't want to hear it, but I always say, speak to your children. Spend time with your children. Right. Go to the school. Show up one day. Surprise right. them, you know. My kids used to say, <laughs> yeah. why are you trying to bust me in front of my friends? And, and, and it wasn't <laughs> I was trying to bust you that you was doing something. I wanted to see your everyday right. activities. You know, right. you at school seven, eight hours a day. I'm not there. You mm-hmm. know, so get involved with your children. Get involved with your young people. And even if you're is a young person at a store, I could be at a store and I'll say, hey, you going to school? What school are you going to? If they hesitate on telling me something is wrong, why are you not right. in school? Oh, I got expelled. Right. Well, there's other programs. And I speak to them about those things. But I find out more about them before I walk away from them. Because you yeah. never know who you can save by speaking with them. And that's true. And before I go to yeah. uh, Beverly and, and ask her to elaborate something that you said, I, I remember um, I was coming out of a restaurant one day. I was in a, a like mm-hmm. a, a strip mall. Um, and I was coming out of a restaurant, and it was hot that day. When I was getting getting ready to get in my car, I saw... Uh, a little boy. He was in the car. Hmm. The windows were uh, the windows were up, and nobody was in the car with him. And so I asked him. I, I asked him, "Where's your mother? You know, mm-hmm. where are your parents?" And he didn't know what store she was in. So I went to about two or three stores until I found her. And come mm-hmm. to find out, she was um, she was trying to get a job. But I went mm-hmm. in there and I I found out. I you know I was like there there's a little boy out in the car. It's hot. The windows are up. Is is his parent in here? And when I found out, I was like, Can you please go and get your son? You know, bring him in mm-hmm. with you. But it it was just it was sad to see because. He he was so hot, and anything could have happened to him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. But, uh, Beverly, did you want to elaborate um, on how, how parents can protect, better protect their children? You know, I think Ruthie did an awesome job um, with okay. that. And, you know, basically the bottom line is stay involved, stay engaged, and never think your child won't. Um, just, you know, getting knowledgeable on human trafficking. I'm grateful for outlets like this because it allows um, for the conversation to happen. And so that's really the main thing. Stay engaged, be nosy, um, ask questions, um, and, you know, know your child. And never say, my child won't, because I guarantee you there's a lot of parents um, and it has nothing to do with upbringing um, where, you know, children have been lured into things like this. And that grows, goes back to that grooming process and, you know, how they choose to engage these um, young people. Um, 
And so, you know, just just stay vigilant. Right. So, Beverly, let me ask you this. Um, and I, I know it can happen to anyone, but I read that trafficking more likely happens to people of color and LGBTQ than any other demographic or group. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know why uh, Why are these groups more vulnerable to human trafficking? That's a good question. So when you look at the family systems, um, in a lot of, um, in our black and brown communities, um, there's, there are times where there's a breakdown in that family system. And some of us have that mentality of when you're 18, you've grown and you got to go. But if I don't have a plan and I don't know how I'm going to make it out here and I just go, I got to figure mm-hmm. it out one way or the other. Um, in yeah. our communities, there's high, um, you know, addiction rates. Um, untreated mm-hmm. mental health, um, poverty, and all of these things impact the child. And so if I have a mom who's working two jobs from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m., making seven bucks an hour trying to pay this $1,000 rent, um, there is no mm-hmm. supervision. There's no time for mom to be in the child's business to make sure that oversight is there. Um, if I have a parent who struggles with substance abuse, the, the people that are allowed in my home and the people that have access to me changes uh, from a parent who may be sober. Um, if I have a, a parent who struggles with mental health that's gone untreated, um, and especially in our black and brown communities because it's still taboo to have mental health issues, um, mm-hmm. or go see a therapist or, or be put on medication to address the mental health issue, um, it goes untreated and, you know, it at times it's escalated uh, into other things. You still have a lot of single-parent households. You have, uh, yeah. you know, one person, one parent trying to do it all. Then you have, you know, when you look at our counterparts of the white race. Um, and right. so that's why it's uh, higher. When you look at the LGBTQ plus community, um you know, what happens when they come out? You know, for the best thing you can do if you have a a, a child um, or a, um, a sibling or anybody who comes out and identifies as gay or bisexual or whatever it, you know, might, may be, support them. Because the moment you turn their back on them or you put them out or you think it's, you know, just a space that they're going to, um, there's going to be somebody who's willing to welcome them in. So the moment you put them out, right. they got to find somewhere. They got to find support somewhere. Um, and a lot of times they are trafficked because of, you know, well, come stay with me. You know, you want to make some money? I'll show you how to make some money. Um, and then mm-hmm. there, it's the life of that. Um, and so that's part of the reasons the numbers are much higher. Um, there's a lot, a lot of different elements that go into that. But those are some of the main reasons we see it more in our black and brown community. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, kind of fast forward to uh, traffickers uh, because I I know earlier it was mentioned it's not just men but it's women also. But I'm curious: um, do traffickers span across race? socioeconomic status and age? 
Ruthie, if you want to answer that one. You're saying that is it a particular group? Yes, ma'am. Is it uh, like is it when it comes to race, uh, traffickers, um, are they just white? Are they black? Are they brown? Are they, uh, you know, from other countries? Um, are they um, rich or, or poor or, you know, middle class uh, traffickers? Well, there is really no, um, we could say no identity to that because okay. the guy that was was with me, he was a well-known um, guy, a Hispanic man, a professional okay. man, had his own business, um, and he only dealt with people of business with a lot of money. So these were okay. high-end, rich Hispanic men that were professionals and were, you know, on Fifth Avenue on the radio or TV. So that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, okay. It doesn't even matter if, if they have money. They do it also for the power, for the controlling, for the manipulation. Whatever they could do with this young person, they get a yeah. thrill from that too. You know, most of them, they just, you know, it, it's like a glorify the manhood, you could say, to have all yeah. these girls and they call them daddy and they, you know, they worship them because he's done so much for them. Right. So it's not right. seen, I don't, I, you know, it's not a particular uh, race or rich or poor or profession. It yeah. is just, it could be an average Joe that you would never think of. Okay. Okay. And Kelly, so I, I just wanted to add yeah. something right there real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at traffickers, um, one of the biggest misconceptions about a trafficker is that it's, you know, the white man in the white van who's, run, you know, riding around snatching people. That That right. is not right. the image uh, I want to do as much as we can to, um, you know, get that myth out of our heads. And so right. a lot of our traffickers look like us. And why do they look like us? Because... Um, you know, the statistics show that people are trafficked by people that they know. The biggest group that they're trafficked by mm. are family members. And so looking at, we're looking at mothers, we're looking at fathers, we're looking at boyfriends and cousins. Um, we're not looking for this stranger. And why is it those people? Well, it's a trust element. I'm more, I'm more apt to trust my mother who tells me that we need to do this because we need to pay the rent, um, then I would, a a stranger who walks up to me and run game on me, I'm a little more street smart than that. But I trust what mama's saying. I trust that what dad is saying and I'm doing it for the family. And so that's an image that we need to wrap our minds around is that, does it happen with strangers? Yes, but not at all near the percentage that it happens with family members and um, uh, significant others. Okay, okay. All right, thanks, Dan. Thanks for clarifying that because I'll say for me, a lot of times in my mind, I'm thinking traffickers are um, white or from other countries. Um, so I, I appreciate you you guys clarifying that uh, question or that response for me. 
Um, I want to look at um, maybe laws or laws and policies. There's enough information being shared with the public about human trafficking, and if not, what should be done or can be done to shine a spotlight on on this? I call it a pandemic, because to me, it, it that's exactly what it is. Um, but Ruthie, if you want to maybe give us some information or share. About the laws and policy, um, Ms. Beverly would have to take that one. <laughs> okay, um, okay. All right. <laughs> but I I would speak on, you know, um we have to we have to look at um what's going on in our neighborhoods, in our cities and be able to um be present for people that are in need. Um, and that's what you know, these kids are. They are in need. They are in need for someone to love them. They are in need for somebody to care, someone to listen to them. And um, that's why they fall into these situations because they don't have that. But we could be advocates for these kids out here and and listen to them and just ask them how they're doing. You know, how's it going? If you're going inside a library, a store, a drive-thru, take time to say how you're doing. You know, you don't necessarily need to preach uh, to a young person when you see them on the street or, right. you know, tell them they're going to hell, what, a, what have you. But you right. being kind and showing that you love them and you could, you know, empathize with them on what they're going through and see if you can have a direction to give them help, you know, to see if what they need. Because some of these young people um, – like Ms. Beverly said, their family members or their boyfriends, um, mm-hmm. you know, or even girlfriends, and they don't see them as this is bad, what they're doing to me is bad. They see them as, you know, a savior. Right, right. So it, it takes it takes all of us. I, I think the it's getting bigger here in the United States, and we're talking more about it. And um, I was in Florida like two weeks ago. And one yeah. of my daughter's friends told me that she got her certification on human trafficking. And she said, before I went to the training, I never knew how big it was in Central Florida. And I said, wow. I was here in Central Florida living 18 years ago, and it was big 18 years ago. So just wow. imagine now she she's saying, I didn't even know it was so big. So just imagine 18 years now that I, I've been living here in the city of Indianapolis how huge it must be, but she says that yeah. it's not so, they don't present it there as they do here in Indianapolis, which I thank God for Indiana. Yeah. We're doing a fantastic job reaching to people and, and getting girls and getting involved with them. Um, you know, we getting also shelters for them and things like that. We're doing a fantastic right. job, but there's more work to do. Right, right. Now, Beverly, um so uh, as far as the information that needs to be shared with the public, do you think that there is enough information that's being shared? And um, if not, so, go, go right ahead. Go ahead. Um, so 
when it comes to, to laws and um, human trafficking, um, Indiana is doing a much better job at making sure that, um, you know, those who, who um, participate in human trafficking are, are prosecuted. Um, I did want to point out just some, some things of clarity real quick. Um, yeah. is, uh, to make this understood as it, as it relates to Indiana law. A person under the age of 18 cannot, could, cannot consent to commercial sex. So what does that mean? If it is a 16-year-old who engages with an adult and money is exchanged, that's what commercial sex is, that's what human trafficking is, and money mm -hmm. is exchanged or property is exchanged, um, that 16-year-old cannot consent to that. And so that person would be charged in trafficking with human trafficking. So they may say, well, she said, okay. The law of Indiana says that a person under the age of 18 cannot consent to, to prostitution, human trafficking, commercial sex. They cannot consent. And the buyer or the purchaser of that person will be charged with human trafficking. Um, okay. So it doesn't matter if the, if the, if the uh, minor agreed to it or not. Indiana doesn't give them that leeway. As, as are we doing enough to um, to get it out here? I would say we're doing better. We're doing a lot better. Um, I am what they call train the trainer, and we have. So what train the trainer is is we go through these um, um, courses to be able to go out and present human trafficking to audiences such as yours, to schools, to parents, to professionals on what to look for, what are red flags, what do we need to be uh, talking about with our own children. And so there is a lot of concentrated effort on making sure that the public is knowledgeable on human trafficking. Um, I know it's real big in Atlanta as far as getting it out there. And so um, we're doing better. We have a long way to go, but we're doing much better. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh Thank you for that. And just one last question uh, before we wrap up. Um, if someone is being trafficked um, or it is suspected that someone is being targeted, um, who, who, should they, who should they call? And Beverly, if you want to answer that. Mm -hmm. So there is a human trafficking hotline. Um, and so I'm going to give you guys the, the number to that. And um, that number is, make sure I got the correct number. I have it too, okay. Beverly, if you can't well, find it. Okay, go ahead, Ruthie, because I have two numbers here. Okay. The number is 888-373-5555. Okay, so that's 888-373-7888. Yes. Okay. And I also saw oh, yeah. that there is a – go ahead. I'm sorry, Beverly. Go right ahead. Beverly, no, please. I'm just going to share that you can text also. Um, mm -hmm. you, can, you can text HELP to 233-733, uh, and that will go directly okay. to the Human Trafficking Hotline. Okay. So text HELP 
at 233-733. And that'll go All to right. the Human Trafficking Hotline. Okay. Well, I know there was uh, there were a few questions uh, that I had, but you uh, and we didn't get to. But that is that's okay because you guys have really given us a lot of information, and I I truly appreciate your time and uh, your expertise. Um, there were some things uh, definitely that that I've learned tonight. Uh, so once again, I do appreciate that. Um, so we'll go ahead and, and wrap it up here. Um, I do want to thank God for uh, another conversation on a, a truly necessary topic. Um, thanks again to Ruthie and Beverly for the information and the awareness uh, that they've shared with me and our listeners. Um, if you or someone you know is being targeted or is a victim of human trafficking, um you have two ways to contact. Uh, you can call the U.S. National Human Trafficking Hotline at 888-373-7888, or you can text HELP at 233-733, and that will be directed to the Human Trafficking Hotline. Um I also want to uh, thank Brother Stevie for allowing me this platform so that my guests can share their knowledge and their expertise. My prayer is that it will be helpful to um, everyone who tuned in this evening. Uh, Should you have any questions about tonight's topic uh, or comments, you can uh, send an email to butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com, or you can inbox me on Facebook. And I will be sure to forward these questions on to uh, Beverly and Ruthie. Thank you so much for listening. Ruthie and Beverly, thank you once again for being on the show. And I'll now turn it over to Brother Stevie. You're welcome. Thank you. This is just thank you. And you're listening to A Talk with My Sister on What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Peace and love. You're listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show. Our hearts desire to face the winds of doubt. Expecting things from above and the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you, the spirit strong and grows from day to day.
Walk down the narrow way and walk slow in every day and don't look back. Don't let material things keep you from going away when he comes back. We know that living life, I'm sure, is wasting time. You see, the Lord knows all and he will ease your mind. He Everything we have to do, knock the door, we open unto you. You, you got to walk down the narrow way and follow him every day and don't look back. Listening to What a Word from the Lord Radio Show.